my wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time BQ&A. This is a show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. G'day friends, it's Will Moala, the pastor of the Paravista and Gawler Adventist Churches in South Australia. We are coming to you live from our Faith FM studio in Adelaide, South Australia. And I want to introduce my co-host in the studio with me today, Pastor Brendan Wilkinson. Great to have you, mate. It's great to be here. <laughs> and I uh, know you had a very, very busy weekend. Fairly busy weekend, yep, yeah. yep, down in the south I thought you were retired, mate. Yep, 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 <laughs> yep. Retirement takes various forms. If I can put it this way, once a minister, always a minister. Oh, you meant to that. <laughs> well, hey, ministry, uh, ministry is not a job, Will. Ministry yeah. is a call. Amen. Amen to that. Well, hey, Pastor Brendan, uh, I'm glad that we get to uh, have this conversation today. And uh, to yes, our listeners out there, nice to be here. wherever you are tuning in from, uh, whether here regionally in South Australia or across the country, uh, wherever you are in your car or at home, or if you're listening to this at a future uh, date, uh, we want to thank you for tuning in today. We have a brand new theme for you today. We're kicking off uh, our program today with the theme, Raising spiritual kids in a post-Christian world interesting is topic. it possible? Very interesting indeed. Mm. And uh, so we're going to be talking about children, how to raise them. Not that we're experts by any stretch of the means. No. Um, but yeah, we want to have this conversation about spiritual. How can we uh, raise spiritual kids in a post-Christian world? Just some of the other questions that our team are going to be looking at. Um, strategies for raising spiritual children. Um, what spiritual lessons do we need to teach our children? Uh, can we raise spiritual kids without the involvement of the church? And uh, towards the end of the week, how can we build spirituality in our family lives? And so that uh, gives you a bit of a a uh, preview of what will be uh, shared in our program with our team this week. But so. today we are looking at the specific question, should Christian, sorry, let me repeat that. Should children make up their own minds about religion? And so uh, that's what we're going to be looking at today. And we'd love to hear you wherever you're tuning in from. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, we have a number here in the studio for our book offer, but if you want to text in at any time of the program, you want to comment or you want to share a little bit of what you, um, your thoughts on the topic today, our number is 04888. We'd be eight, happy to hear from yeah, you. Yeah, be happy to hear from you. 04888-80811. And, uh, why don't you store it in your phone? Cause that is the number that we use each and every day here at Faith FM Drive Time BQ&A. And for our loyal listeners, that's the number that we, yeah, we promote uh, to receive our free book offer. We have a wonderful book offer we'll be offering in just a few minutes' time, so um, please stay tuned. Um, but before we continue with our program today, we have our Well Watch segment. This is the part of the hour where we share, yeah, something that's uh, in the current news events. And so the article I'd like to share and to read with you, uh, for you, is uh, actually just was posted today on the abc.net.au yeah, website. It is. It's uh, pretty current. Yep, pretty current. It's pretty fresh. And so so the article is entitled, Why This West Bank Family Isn't Celebrating Its Son's Release from Prison. And obviously, uh, by the title, this is about the, um, yeah, the, the Israel-Palestinian um, uh, conflict in the Middle East. And so here we go. This was uh, posted by Riley Stewart and... Um, yeah, today's date, November 27th. So here we go. When asked what he likes to do in his free time, Ahmed struggles to answer. He hasn't had much of that lately. 
the 17-year-old Palestinian, he was released from prison on Friday as part of a deal that also saw terror group Hamas free hostages and a temporary ceasefire declared in the Israel-Gaza war. Records show Ahmad Ahmed was arrested for throwing stones and an incendiary device. The former is a common charge in a judicial system Palestinians say is stacked against them. His cousin Kusai was detained for throwing stones and, quote, placing an explosive device. They both pleaded guilty but now deny wrongdoing. (laughs) Case records say no one was injured. Before he was arrested, Ahmed liked fixing old cars, but other than that, there's not much to do in his small West Bank village of Muyayur, I think it's pronounced. I I may have got that wrong. Ahmed's father, brother, uncle and cousins have all been to prison. His friends? Ahmed says, yes, all of them, not just some of them, all of them have been in prison, he says. Most of Al-Mayulia is in Area C. That's part of the West Bank where Israel maintains total control over security and administrative affairs. The community, home to about 3,000 people, is also surrounded by settlements. Tensions are high. Clashes are common. Ahmed and his friends say even seemingly straightforward pastimes like a walk through the rocky hills nearby, are out of the question. Straying too far from the town can also be dangerous. He says, we don't think about things like other children. Ahmed's friend, Khaled Nasser, who has also spent a night in custody, says, he says, we think about how someone will live, how will we work, how he will grow up, how he will defend himself, how to behave when the army comes. We should know these things, end of quote. While international attention since Hamas's terror attack on October 7 has focused on Israel's bombardment of Gaza, violence in the West Bank has increased too. According to the UN United Nations figures, about 200 Palestinians have been killed by the Israeli Defense Force, IDF, or settlers in the territory over the past seven weeks, while four Israelis have been killed by Palestinians. Al-Muyayir, I think that's how you pronounce it, was a hotspot for clashes well before the war erupted last month. Last year, a 16-year-old boy named Amjad Nashat Abu Aliyah, quote, died of critical wounds sustained by five live bullets in the chest during clashes in the village, the Palestinian Health Ministry said. In 2020, the UN described the fatal shooting of a 15-year-old Palestinian boy by IDF soldiers in the town as, quote, a grave violation of international law. Any human being in Palestine expects that any day he will either be jailed or be martyred or live a miserable and unhappy life. Ahmed's father, Newman, says, what else would he expect? Kusai was released from jail the day before the ceasefire deal came into effect. Meanwhile, Ahmed said his arrest, which took place on November 27 last year, was terrifying. But the worst part of being behind bars was when his sentence was nearing its mm. end. Yeah. The last period was the hardest before you leave. I still had 30 days left when I was left out Friday. Left, let out on Friday, says the boy, who spent his 17th birthday in custody. I was counting the days. The deal came. I was happy. This is the hardest period, the last days. Newman felt the same way. While communicating with inmates was always difficult, he said all contact was shut down after this October 7 attack. He got information on his son's condition from other people who had been released. Yeah, isn't that true? Yeah. Straight after the deal was announced, lists of prisoners that might be freed began circulating on social media. But Newman was careful not to get his hopes up. 
Ahmed says he had no idea he was being let out. And when he boarded the bus from the prison to freedom, officials had told him he was being transformed to another jail. Yeah, um, yeah so... Pretty hopeless situation. Just a bit of a short article there, but, you know, when I read that um, article, Pastor Ben, it just shows just what people are going through, the, the effects of the, this yes. conflict over in the Middle East. And, you know, heartbreaking to hear, you know, young boy, you know, boy 16, 17 years old, you know, last thing they should be thinking about is getting detained and, you know, just, just the, the brutality of war. It is. Uh, what can I say? Uh, it's difficult because you have a whole generation growing up here who are going to hate the Israelis because of what they're doing. Now, I'm yeah. not taking sides in this. I have been to Israel, and when we went from Jordan into Israel, you had 16- and 17-year-old guys and girls totting AK-47 Kalashnikovs. It took us two and a half hours to get over the border. Now, we're Australian no. citizens. We had our passports and everything like that. There was one guy on our bus that they weren't too sure about and he started shouting and carrying on and they took him off the bus. I didn't see him again. I don't know where he went to. But <clears throat> this is the environment that people are living in on a day-by-day basis. I looked on uh, social media before I came here this afternoon and also on YouTube and at the moment in the Palestinian Gaza area where this fighting is taking place, they're having unseasonably heavy winter rains. The rains have started early. Technically, December is one of the coldest and wettest parts of the year in an area that is not noted for its um, um, rainfall. <clears throat> These poor people have lost their homes. Yeah, um, They've been bombed to smithereens. Some of them have lost family. They are being used as pawns, I believe, by Hamas. I don't think a lot of what they're able to do is of their own free will. Um, and now they're being told to shift to this area or that area because we're going to bomb this particular area. And here it is, it's pouring with rain. Where are you going to go? Yeah. They're not providing tents for them or anything like that. And as I say, I, <clears throat> I don't want to get into the issue of who's right and who's yeah. wrong. What took place on October 7 was truly horrendous. Yeah, should never can I share something, Pastor yeah, Brennan? Sure. And I mean, this literally just um, happened today, um, and I think it's very relevant to what we're talking about. And you know, at our church at Paravis, we have a, a play group every Monday yes. morning, and we had one yes. earlier today. Yes, and we have uh, a couple of Middle Eastern women coming, and um, one of the ladies had a chat with me over there this morning, and she was telling me about her friend who is a Coptic Orthodox of Egyptian background. Now, yes, the lady that's talking yes, to me, who's yes. part of this playgroup, she's a wonderful lady. She's just absolutely amazing. She's of Iraqi background. Oh, yes. And essentially yeah, what yeah. she was saying, Pastor Brennan, was um, um, that she said that she had driven past a Christian church here in Adelaide, mm -hmm. and this particular church has a, um Israeli flag hoisted up on the front of its... um of its premises. So when this Egyptian uh, lady saw it, she made some inquiries and ended up talking to the minister. She yeah. thought it was a school initially, 
Then she found out it was actually a church. Yeah, it was actually a church. And uh, long story short, I think the from what she told me, what the friend told this lady told me that actually I talked directly to this lady today. Yes, and um, she's quite upset about it. I do say she. And you know, honestly, I I, um, didn't realize it. The fact that they were flying an Israeli flag. Yeah. And, you know, it made me think, Pastor Brendan, about our particular faith denomination. If we yeah. have an official, uh, I guess, statement or something, and we don't, we're not here to make any political statements, but no, we're not. I, I felt like saying to this particular church, and I don't know if I'm right or wrong in saying this, but almost like wanting to say to this, this particular, this, these fellow Christians is, mm-hmm. you may have a position on, where you stand in the conflict, but just be aware of how other people are feeling. And I think at the very least, Pastor Brian, I, I said to this lady on the phone this morning, yes. I said, look, there's not much I can do, um, but my mind was racing of ways, or how, how do we take sure. this person's pain and turn it into something? And I thought at the very least was maybe even dialoguing Talking to this guy and maybe just in some roundabout way saying, look, appreciate what you're doing. Um, you know, obviously every, we live in a free country here in Australia and, but just be aware that there are people of the, uh, Middle Eastern, um, community who are obviously quite upset about it. And look, yeah. truth be told, you can say the same thing on both sides. Sure. But it just made me realize, Pastor Brendan, that, um, Things like this, there is no easy answer. No, there's no easy And, you know, and I think as a Christian is, and as also, obviously as a, as a, as a pastor, as a minister, as a leader is just to be very sensitive that, you know, that of how people are feeling about this whole yes. thing. Yes, I'd, I would agree with that totally. Yeah, and I told her, Pastor Brendan. I feel Brandon, for her, but I also feel for the uh, church group that is flying an Israeli flag. They're probably flying it to show their solidarity with yep. Israel. Yep. That's one issue. Yep. The other issue is they are probably a church also who believes that literal Israel is still God's special yep. people. That's, that's exactly that's what she was saying. That's another issue as well. And uh, I'm not going to – our topic today yeah. has got nothing to do with that. Sure. But <clears throat> I just wonder. It's. It seems to me that – in standing up for what you you believe, some would say that's what God would have us to do. Yep. But given that it does seem from everything I read, and I'm following the situation over there fairly closely, yep. it does seem to me that there is blame on both sides. So am I sitting on the fence again? No, I'm not. Mm. I'm not sitting on the fence. I'm, yep. I'm simply saying there is no, as you've pointed out, no simple answer yep. to this. There is an answer, actually. It's called conversion. It's called con- <laughs> it's yeah. called Jesus Christ, whom the Jews rejected all those years ago. Jesus Christ coming into a person's heart and changing it, Amen. whether they be Palestinian or whether they yeah. be Jewish. Yeah. And I was only watching something the other day of a church. I think it's one of our churches in Israel where you have both Israeli Christians and Palestinian Christians worshipping in the same church together. Really? Oh, wow. They get their be... arms around one another and that sort of thing. That, I think, is should be a lesson, a real object lesson in this whole terrible situation that's going on over there, that 
mankind is not going to be able to solve yeah. this problem. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going into the prophetic uh, That's consequences correct. or anything of it. I'm simply saying that only the power of the Holy Spirit changing a person's yeah. heart and life can make any difference whatsoever to what's going on yeah. over there. And most of the people who are dealing, who are in the fighting are secular. Yep. They're not uh, Christian. Yeah. So, Pastor Brennan, we're going to have to um, move on from the article. We I know we, we were do. reading about one no, thing and it right. kind of opened up a broader conversation, but this I just is, want to say to important. all our listeners that um, the there's no winners in this about. conflict mm. and um, all we can do is, is pray for the people yeah. In in uh, in the Gaza in the Gaza region, and uh, we're praying that somehow there's that God brings about peace and healing, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, just too it's too big for our shoes to kind of wrestle with in this hour. It is, but um, yeah, just thinking of that conversation today, and you know. Almost as I was saying it, there may be someone like, "Hey, what about you know?" Like it's just it will just go back and forth. So I'm no way condoning or condemning in some way what this church is doing, but it to me is just raising just how sensitive this whole thing is, and um, we have to tread carefully when we're dealing with these things in a public uh, public space. So, so I hope you enjoyed that article. Hey, we're going to switch gears now. Um, We're going to go to our book offer before we go to our break and uh, along the th- lines of our theme raising spiritual kids in a post Christian world is it possible we have a wonderful resource that we'd like to give to you and the book is entitled The Smart Parent Strategies for Growing Great Kids and it's by author Nancy Van Pelt if you it's are aware book, of guys. any of Nancy Van Pelt's material she she's she's a very great. good writer she's an expert in mm. in in children and in children education and so if you would like a book um teaching your children to become responsible, well-rounded Christian young people who can safely make their own world. Let me give you a couple of chapters here. How your child, help your child feel like somebody. How to talk so your child will listen and so your child will talk. Secrets for getting obedience. Raising kids with character, living with teenagers, high-risk behaviors, how to give your child a head start. And there's a lot more chapters. Hey, we want to give this to you free of charge. If you'd like this free copy, of the book, The Smart Parent by Nancy Van Pelt. All you need to do is text the code SA146. The code is SA146 and you need to text that to 04888-80811 and we will get that book out to you and uh, soon as we can. So one more time, The Smart Parent by Nancy Van Pelt. The, if you'd like a free copy, text the code SA146 to 04888-80811. Double one. Please don't go away. We'll be back in just a few moments. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time BQ&A. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry. Everything to God in prayer Oh, what peace we often forfeit Oh, what needless pain we bear All because we do not carry Everything to God in prayer Have we tried? and temptations Is there 
their trouble anyway We should never be discouraged Take it to the Lord in prayer Can we find a friend so faithful Who will all our sorrows share Jesus knows our every What a friend we have in Jesus by Chris Rice. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A. It's Will and Brenton in the studio today live here in South Australia. Our theme for this week, raising spiritual kids in a post-Christian world. Is it possible? <laughs> Is it possible? Is it possible? Um, but today our question that we're going to be looking at, somewhat of an introduction to our, our whole week this week, should children... And this is uh, the question we're going to look at, Pastor Brandon. Yeah, Should is. children make up their own minds about religion? That's the topic for today. That's the topic. So mm. walk us through part of the answer. Well, I'll have a look at a couple of things. Um, I think the simple answer, as I said to you off air, is the simple answer is should children make up their own minds about religion? I believe the answer is yes, they should. Right. However, we need to look at biblical counsel. And we need to look at some statements that I've uh, got from an article which I'd like to share with our listeners. It says it is often stated that parents are influential in the lives of children and they have a major impact in building their faith foundations and forming their worldview. One viewpoint, as we nourish our children, it is natural that children grow up in the religion of their parents. If we really believe in and love our religion or denomination and are convinced that it is true, we should direct the children to our religion or denomination, passing on our beliefs, etc. The alternative view, uh, point, Will, is finding truth should be a personal quest. Tell your children of the choices they have. Let your children evaluate and investigate on their own. Free them to reach their own conclusions. Tutor them in critical thinking instead of indoctrination about the family religion. Help them discover the truth on their own. Respect children's rights. They're the two viewpoints that are presented. Correct. And this article has a number of things to say from various faith uh, communities. I'll read one of them. It says this. <clears throat> Jesus had an incredible heart for children. 
start off children off on the way they should go, and where, even when they are old, they will not return from it. And that's uh, Proverbs twenty six. Like drawing back and aiming a bow, we give direction to the child. Eventually, though, we have to loose the arrow and let it fly. Now, perhaps in addressing this particular subject, having stated that, yes, there does come a point where children do have to make up their own mind, I think we also have to recognise that God has given them to us for a limited period of time before they become uh they can evaluate for themselves in critical thinking. Yep. Are we indoctrinating them? I don't know that we are. We have to look at what, what Jesus had to say through Moses and the Old Testament and that sort of thing. But in my own faith journey, I was brought up in a Christian home. You, you've uh, indicated to us that you weren't. Yep. I was brought up in a Christian home. I was brought up in a Seventh-day Adventist home. Okay. My father and mother and my brother and sister and I were all brought up in the home. We had morning worship every morning. We had prayer in our home. My father was often out at night uh, doing Bible studies with people or visiting church members because he was the senior elder of our local church. Wow, okay. Um so as far as evening worship went, uh, if we had it, it was would have been with mum and she would have had prayer with us. Now, how did I grow to have a, a knowledge of God? How did I grow? How did I become acquainted with God as a yeah. friend? I went to a Christian school and um, – you and I are sitting in a studio here in the Christian school to which I refer is about 500 metres from here. So you went to Prescott College? Yeah, yes, wow, I went to okay. Prescott College. I was uh, a student there. In those days it was called Prospect Adventist School. Okay. And uh, we had worship in the mornings and uh, we, d we did Bible as the subject and that sort of thing, and of course they still do. Now... I have had, I would consider, and for people who are listening around Australia, they would probably say, I never had that opportunity. Yeah. Um, the National Church Life Survey, and you, you know about those, the 2016 one was rather interesting with some statistics. The statistics were these, 49% of the kids, of the 10,500 kids who responded and the age bracket that they did this study in was between the, year, uh, the age of eight and the age of 13. Of 10,500 kids, half of them attended public schools. 49% of them attended public schools, and yet they went to, to church. And you ask yourself the question, okay, they're not getting any Christianity from school. What are the options? What are the avenues open to yeah. them? to come to have a relationship with Jesus. You've got church, but what if you don't attend church regularly? Yep. Uh, you've got your own private devotion on your own study. People don't just automatically come home one day and say, I think I should read the Bible. <laughs> yeah. I better get a Bible out and start reading yep. it. Um, there has to be some structure to the whole thing. And I found in my own life, because I was a person, I was, I was brought up, I guess, will in an environment where people used to say, where's Brenton? And my mother used to say, if you want to know where Brenton is, he'll be in his room reading a book. Um, 
there are still kids around like that today even in the <laughs> the social media world that we yeah. are involved in with facebook twitter yeah, and yeah. all the rest of them yeah there are kids around that i meet i meet them from time to time yeah they love reading Wherever you're looking for them, they got a book out yeah. and they're reading it. And I'm saying to them, keep up the good work. <laughs> so um, this is the background. This this is where you make this uh, the where you lay the foundation, I believe, for a future relationship with the Lord. Right. Um, if you don't get it at school because you go to a public school or a school that doesn't teach Christian values, um, and you don't go to church. Where where are you where are you going to get your? Um, yeah. Have you got any thoughts on this? Because the majority of Australians today, kids, good kids, and they are good kids. I've baptized kids as young as eight years of age, right? And I've baptized a man of eighty-eight years of age. Yeah, wow. there's the two extremes. Both of them have come to know Jesus: the eight-year-old and the eighty-eight-year-old. Yeah, yeah. The 88-year-old, when he was baptised, he was one of the happiest people I think I've ever met. Yeah. He he, he was really praising awesome. the Lord. So God can come to a person, whether they're in the age that we're talking about here or if they're in their sunset years, yeah. so to speak. But um, what are your thoughts yeah. on this particular um, thing? Because if sure. you haven't got these advantages that I've been specifying, where do you go from here? Yeah. <clears throat> Well, good question, um, Pastor Brennan. Um, so we're trying to unpack the question, should children make up their own minds yeah. about religion? I, I have a different <laughs> answer to that just you in my own mind and heart. Up, right? I think <clears throat> children will make up their own minds about religion. Mm-hmm. And I think there comes a point in in our lives when we grow up that inevitably we are going to make that decision for ourselves. So you said something which was quite insightful. You said that, um, that parents have a, a, a certain season of time. Like I'm, I'm a father do. of a four-year-old. So, you yeah. know, when Naraya grows up, she's eventually going to make up her own mind. And I think that's why sometimes you often hear within Christian circles that, you know, they have kids, uh, parents that take their kids to, to church and then they go to church school and seems like they're just surrounded by things that are, you mm-hmm. know, through mm-hmm. in church or connected yeah. to church. Yeah. But then, you know, and then when they reach 18 or so forth or they finish high school and and that sometimes they yeah, like go to uni and they lose their faith in type of way. Um, so I think the question really is, um, children, should children make up their own minds about religion? And I guess I know where that question is coming from. I think there's an implication there that um, – Almost like there's two phase, two types of approaches to this. Yes, or two, which you can just on. let them do anything they want, or you can just you know really be uh, very, you know, almost very um, controlling over it. Um, but I just, I just explain this question through my own lens, my own story. I did say earlier, Pastor Brennan, that I didn't uh, grow up in a church, uh, home that went to church. But having said that, I can look back even now as I sit in this studio and have. I can say that I had a lot of Christian influences. My grandfather, especially my dad's father, he yes. he would live with us for months at a time, at least number of times during my primary school years. Mm-hmm. 
And one thing about Grandpa is he always prayed in the morning. He'd make us, our family, pray in the morning. And on Sunday, he'd take us. We lived in Bexley North in Sydney, in southwest Sydney. Yes. And every Sunday, uh, Pastor Brandon, he'd take me and my two brothers and my cousins at the time. They were living with us. My, my, my dad's sister and her family, they lived with us. Came from the islands and stayed with us for a couple of years. But, but the, the thing that I'm saying is, um, I had kind of exposure to, yes, to the Bible yes, and God. Did. And, yep. and I yep. think, what I'm trying to get at today is, um, I think Grandpa did his best to show us about God and about prayer and all that type of thing. But somewhere along the line, when kids grow up, they're going to make their own decision. Yeah. And we, yeah. and I guess as parents and as a grandparent, you you just want to pray and hope that they make the right decision. Yes. And I think that's what every parent wants. Every every it every is, Christian parent, every they, parent wants. Yeah. <clears throat> this particular article, as I said, it looks at various faith communions, okay. but just one of them says this. In that religion requires an assent of the will and freedom of conscience. Ultimately, children do make up their own minds. Now, if I read all of these articles, they all come to that conclusion. Okay. This is what he says. However, for this religion, that does not deny the parental duty to teach children about one's religion. That includes praying at home, teaching them about the beliefs of the faith, bringing them to church and classes on the faith, and otherwise showing them how the practice of one's religion is lived outside of church walls. <laughs> now, the argument has been said. I've got uh, sisters-in-law who have um, uh, one in particular who uh, was the principal of um, our largest Christian college here in South Australia. Wow, okay. Um, what I find interesting is I was in a church school environment for all of my scholastic life <laughs> except the last year. The last year I went to a business college here in the middle of Adelaide. Okay. And it was culture shock par excellence. Really? We had swearing. We had uh, people carrying on. We had uh, drug cult- taking. We culture had shock drinking. I had never seen anything like this. We had foul language. It was almost as though I'd come out of a... <laughs> a cocooned environment yeah, right. into the real world. And I've had people say to me, that's why I don't send my kids to a Christian school. They need yeah. to understand what real life's all about. Well, Correct. there are two sides to that coin too. So what I'm saying is this, is that um, <clears throat> this is what Moses said, and I'd like to share this with our listeners because he he said, makes these statements when we're thinking about children making a decision. These are the words which I command you today shall be in your hearts. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you are in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Then you go over to chapter 11, where pretty much the same thing is said. Again, I'm reading from verse 19 to 21. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, like the days of the heavens above the earth. Yeah. 
He's using pretty much the same language in Deuteronomy 6 as he is in Deuteronomy 11 to make a point. The point is God wants us to instruct our children in the right way, in the moral principles, the religious principles of his law. Correct. And that you should take every opportunity that is given you to help their young minds. And you've got a four-year-old, you said. Yeah. I've got a five-year-old grandson who's going to school next year. Um, It's interesting to see. I've done Bible studies with kids as as young as seven or eight, and they're as keen as mustard. They really are. You give them some uh, age-appropriate Bible study guides to to work through, and they're really into it. It's it's interesting. The studies show that 10 to 12-year-olds are the most susceptible to spiritual things. Okay. Uh, the older they get, 16, 17, the drop-off rate of making commitments to the Lord, whether it's just a personal commitment, whether it's baptism or whatever it happens to be, the drop-off rate is very significant okay. after the ages of 10 to 12 or thereabouts. Right. Because that seems to be the time when they're most susceptible. And so um, I, I've noticed that as a minister, I've noticed that is a fact. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, uh, I I'm actually just, heard that. I I'm heard that. Putting, for, yeah. I'm just putting that out there because we're going to look at it a little bit further. Yep. But, um, yeah, we need to come to a break. <laughs> no, no, you can keep going. We've got a few minutes. But I was just wanting to cut in and say um, no, no, I remember this. I was in uh, – when, when I was passing over in New South Wales, there was um, this guy from the United States and he um, – yeah, he had a bit of research and essentially came to the bottom line what you're saying, Pastor Brennan. He was saying the um, – the four to fourteen window, or there was a yeah, it was a window that was under sixteen. Oh, it's under and, sixteen. Yeah, and he was saying basically, um, yeah, once they, yeah, after fourteen, when they start climbing up to you know sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, he goes, you, you have a very harder battle. You go, and I even can see some of that within some of our churches, and definitely some of the churches I've been pastoring. Yeah, some. And you know, and you got to really get to know your members and yes, you and the families that are you coming. Do. And you know, I was having conversations. There was a one young lady. Um, she's in year twelve, and, oh, yeah. and it got yeah. you know after a couple of questions, um, found out she hadn't been baptized yet. Right. And so I'm thinking, okay, so what's you know? So obviously, obviously, yeah, she's she's she's, in she's, year, she's not in there. Year twelve. She's in year twelve, yeah, and she'll right. be finishing this year. Yeah. And so, um. And it's very interesting because I'm I have a brother that is in very the much the similar right. position, and right. um, okay. my nephew, he's the oldest nephew of our yes. of our, you know my my siblings and I. Um, he's actually first year in uni, so he finished high school last mm-hmm. year, and and yeah. he's not baptized, and so I haven't really spoke to to my brother about it, but I think it's somewhere along the lines of, you know, you know he. It needs to come from him type of thing. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And I'm just um, thinking, okay. What you've got to do is you've got to actually um, ask them. There comes a point in time uh, where you actually, if you're studying the Word of God with people and you can sense that the Holy Spirit is talking to them, yep. you actually have to come to a point where you simply ask them a simple question. Would you like to give your life to the Lord? Yeah. What form does that yep. take? Have you thought about being baptized? Correct. Would you like to be baptized? I don't leave it at, have you thought about it? I'll ask So you, you make point. a specific Would call. Would you like to be baptized? No, no pressure. <laughs> I don't think anyone I've ever baptized would uh, say that I've pressured them into being baptized. Yeah, right. I've just said, 
would you like to be baptised? Have you thought about it? Yeah. And if they say, yeah, I have thought about it and I haven't made a decision, well, I think in situations like that, um, you need to say, can I pray with you, please? Yeah. Because it may be that just requires a little bit more for them to to go ahead and make that decision, but you've made a very valid point. Yeah. Uh, I think the drop-off rate between 10 and 12, 13 to about 16, 17, there's about a 70% less chance that they're going to make a decision for wow. the Lord than in, in that okay. early, earlier period. So should children make up their minds about religion, they should, but they should be guided yeah. till they reach that, that formative period where they are able to critically yeah. analyse stuff for themselves. Spot on. But we're going to come to another point after the break, and the other yep. point is I believe children learn more about God by modelling than they do by Bible study. Correct. What they see in you as a minister or you as a person in their church, often you'll find that you think things that are fairly inconsequential, they'll talk up one day and say, you know, you said such and such at church one day and that sort of thing, and you go, yeah, right, what? And they say, you know, I've been thinking about yeah. that. Um, so I believe witness. Um, Modelling is vitally important. Yeah. Praise God. Hey, Pastor Brandon, we're going to go to a break and we'll be back in just a moment. Um, sure. But to our listeners out there, we, we hope you're enjoying our conversation thus far. Uh, we're going to go to a, a music break in just a tick. But before we do, we'd like to promote our free book offer just one more time in our show today, um, which is along the theme of parenting. And so the book is entitled The Smart Parent Strategies for Growing Great Kids by author Nancy Van Pelt. Uh, Nancy Van Pelt, an author of 42 books on the subject, She's a certified family life educator and a grandmother with three grown children of her own. And she's been showing parents how to achieve this for 25 years. So yeah, in this book, doing it for a while. she is, yeah, definitely. She writes to you in this book as one concerned parent to another. A couple of chapters here. Help your child feel like somebody. How to talk so your child will listen. Secrets for getting obedience. Raising kids with character. Living with teenagers high-risk behaviours, and how to give your child a head start. And there's many more chapters there. If you'd like a free copy, all you need to do is text the code SA146 to our number in the studio, 04888880811. We'll get that book out to you as soon as we can. So, yeah, if you'd like a free copy of the book, The Smart Parent by Nancy Van Pelt, all you need to do is text the code SA146 to 04888880811. And we'll get that book out to you as soon as we can, free of charge. Please don't go away. We'll be back in just a few moments. You're listening to Faith FM, Drive Time, BQ&A. Like music 
Faith FM studio here for Faith FM Drive Time BQ&A. We're looking at the theme, Raising Spiritual Kids in a Pro-Christian World. Is it possible? That's our theme for the rest of the week. And uh, today we've been looking at the question, should children make up their own minds about religion? And so we've got about 10 or so minutes to go in our live show today. And uh, we hope you've been enjoying our program so far. And we want to thank you once again for joining us. So, Pastor Brendan, uh, in the remaining few minutes we got... Yeah. Um, yeah, why don't we have another... Um, we'll have a bit of a further look. Another look, yeah, this yeah, this yeah. question about children making up their own minds yeah. about about following God, following yeah. religion. Just to, to widen or broaden the uh, concept of what we've been talking about today, I've been talking about various faith um, forums and faith groups. Um, some of the ones that I haven't mentioned is um, the Buddhists. Okay, so what's their take on um, how they um, child interact with kids? A child doesn't have an opportunity to make a decision before the age of eight. Okay, so... Now, that's that's rather interesting. They believe that, uh, yeah, they're not allowed to pursue a spiritual life before the age of eight. Right. Now, <laughs> you and I have probably heard a statement made by a certain group, give me a child till the age of seven and they'll never depart from it. And right. the Bible seems to suggest that the earlier you start the training, the better. I'm thinking of a guy called Samuel. <clears throat> now, <Yeah. clears throat> Samuel went to the temple when he was three years of age, I think, something like that. He, he was with Eli. You would have thought, well, here's a guy who's going to have an absolutely fabulous um, <clears throat> spiritual experience, and he's really going to grow because he's with the high priest of yeah. Israel. Unfortunately, the high priest had two boys by the name of Hophni and Phineas. Phineas, yeah. Who, for want of a better word, they were bad eggs, really yeah. bad eggs. And what does that tell me? When I study Samuel and how he grew up and at the end of his life when they appointed their first king, whose name was Saul, he said, have I ever taken anything from you, defrauded anything from yeah. you, have I ever lied to you or been dishonest? or anything other than even-handed in dealing with you, and they said not at all. Now, he was a little boy taken away from his mother and father, not taken away, she gave him to the Lord, 
but in giving him to the Lord, he went to an environment that you would have thought would be about as holy as you could get. Yeah. Instead of that, he's he's in an environment with these two guys who were so bad, it says that the Lord wanted to kill them. Yeah. So what what has this got to do with should a child make up their own mind about religion? I believe it's got quite a lot to do with it because it tells me that even in an, an environment where which is almost yeah. pure evil, good people can come out That's of it. That's right. A kid can make a decision that... What I see around me, what my mother and father are up to, what my brothers and sisters are up to, or my relatives, that's not the path I'm going to take. Yeah. And uh, this is the lost sheep syndrome that we're talking yeah. about, you know, reaching out for the lost sheep. I touched on before uh, we went to the break the issue of modelling. I believe modelling um, Christ to young people is something that is vitally important. I'm not talking necessarily about the 16 to 7-year-olds. I'm talking about the younger ones that we've been talking yeah. about because the National Church Life Survey of 2016 that I've been quoting from, the average age of the participants was 11. Okay. That's right within wow. the range we've been talking about of 10 to 12. So kids notice things and... <laughs> The two things will probably are most likely to help a, a kid to decide to follow Jesus is do they really sense that Jesus loves them? Yeah. And the other interesting one is you ask kids sometimes about church, it's boring. <laughs> um, and yet you can preach a sermon and a few weeks later, you'll be um, maybe talking to the kid and he'll say, Pastor, you know what you said in the sermon the other week. And I'm thinking to myself, I didn't even think you were listening. I thought you were playing games on your mobile phone and, yeah. uh, and that sort of thing. <laughs> but they are. They're yeah. tuned in. They are yeah. listening to what's yeah. going on. So I think modelling Christ to, ch to kids is vitally important. But you can't do that if you haven't got a relationship with the Lord yourself. Yeah. You're just a sounding gong or yeah. a clanging cymbal. So I, I think that that is very important. I'm going to read Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is Paul speaking. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. It's, it's interesting that Paul here is articulating the fifth commandment and it's fairly obvious for those who believe that Paul was an antinomian. In other words, he didn't believe the law. That's far from the truth when you read this text. He's quoting the commandment and saying, children, you need to follow that because it's the first commandment with promise. Yeah. I believe uh, um, children need a couple of things. One thing they need is love. First and foremost, everything that undergirds it has to be love. Yeah. The second point I believe is I believe authority in a child's life is important. If they're not going to learn authority at home, where are they going to learn it? Yeah. What's sad about the environment today, and I'm throwing it out there because you may have some thoughts on it, so many kids these days, where are they getting their moral standards from? Social media. Yeah. Or from their friends. Facebook, Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Snapchat. WhatsApp. That's where they're getting their yeah, standards absolutely. from. Yeah, absolutely. They're not getting from their parents. Yep. Yeah. 
So how do, how do you deal? How do you deal with those, those sorts of environments? I think the opportunities that you get at church or in a church school or an environment when you're interacting them with them, whether it's on a camp or something like that, you have to be absolutely tuned into the fact that these kids are watching you. Yeah, they're taking note of what you do. I don't believe you. Yeah, I, I was just having this. Not. I was having a conversation with my wife because you know Noraya will be starting. My yeah. four-year-old daughter yes. will be starting school next year. Yes. yes. So we're putting her into um, just one of the local public schools <laughs> for just for the preschool, um, which will basically just go for all of next year. But my wife and I are having conversation, and my wife was very, um, she was very um, adamant or of the opinion that. That she will go to um, primary school with a Christian background, and um, you know she was sharing some of her reasons. And I was very similar to what you just been saying, Pastor Brandon. This idea of being in this environment where, and she was kind of saying along the same lines of, "Well, they're very impressionable in those early they're years." Extremely impressionable. And she was, yeah, she was basically saying that uh, no, I, for me and my my child, I, I want to have Noraya in a in a place where where our where the school is is Christian. Um, it's a Christian educational system, and I'm um, actually, you know, just not trying to be secretive here, but I'm talking about our own Adventist yes, education system. Obviously, other Christian yeah. denominations have yeah. their Christian uh, yes. uh, school system, but we were talking about our own couple of our schools here in Adelaide, and yes. she wants to put Narai in the primary school when she's of that age, yep. because for her it's um, it's very important to her, and obviously for me as well. Yes, and um, yes. but then at, having said that, Pastor Brandon, I know there's you know there's the odd parent or family that almost um, for various reasons they want to put their kid in an almost you know in a state school essentially because they want them to. Like you were saying a few moments earlier, they want them to just—they don't want to be protected and keep their kids cocooned from you know just the realities of that, life. That is one argument for. Yeah. There may be other arguments. Maybe another argument is that they can't afford to put them yeah. in a Christian yep. school. They can't afford to pay for the yep. fees. So that's another argument. Yeah. yeah. But I think, obviously, like if you could choose, <laughs> and and you know you're a person of faith and you're a Christian. I mean, you'd want them in nine Christian times school. out of ten the Christian parent, you know, the Christian yeah, parent want to put yeah. their kid in Christian school. But I think what we're trying to highlight as well is that just because the kid goes to a Christian school doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to accept the no, faith. It doesn't, and that's doesn't. I think that's could be maybe somewhat of a, uh, an oversight. Maybe parents just assume that. Or, you know, guardians that, okay, my child goes to a Christian school, uh, which means that, you know, they will eventually um, develop good traits of character. And can I say something as well? um, And I've talked to a couple of teachers who are uh, in our our faith group, and um, (laughs) I have to be careful what I say here, but... The the general statement is kids are kids. That's all yeah. I say in a very nice yeah. way. No, no, no. Doesn't matter if they go to church or not. You no, know, no. they they're kids at the end of the day. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. So as parents, you know, we want to give them their best. We want to give them, teach them, especially when they're younger. But as they grow older, we well, want them to. That's the foundational yeah. time. And in concluding, I will tell the story of myself and my brother. Go ahead. I, I had a brother. He died at the age of thirty. Um, he was in the drug scene and he was drinking and doing all sorts of things. Um, 
to cut a long story short, he gave his heart to the Lord before he died, so I believe I'll see him again Praise one God. soon. However, he was brought up in exactly the same home as me. I didn't go off the rails. I didn't get into the drug scene. I didn't do all these other things. I would have been considered, I guess, as a goody two-shoes, if you can use that particular term. Right. Um, and yet my mother said to me one day, she said, when you were growing up, I wondered whether you were the one who were going to go wild or whether it was your brother. Well, it turned out to be my brother that went wild. What was the difference between the two? I don't know. We're different personalities. God has to, God's love and his grace has to be poured out on all different personalities. Yeah. Yep. And, and if I can influence someone who's listening today, who's struggling with a, a family member or a child or something like that, who's wandering away from the faith, don't give up. Continue yeah. to pray for them. Yeah. There is no automatic guarantees because they go to a church school, because they go to church, that they're going to continue to follow the faith of their fathers. But there's a much better chance that even yeah. if they wander away, they will come back. But we believe that time is short. We believe God is calling people now. Yeah. And so we need to pray for our kids. And yeah, I think well, that's what we need to do. We need to pray for yeah. our kids in closing our study today. Yeah. Yes, they do need to make the decision themselves, but they have to have the firm foundation. They have to understand that even if they disagree with what their parents and their teachers and their minister is telling them, we still love them. Yeah. We that do. part is non-negotiable. Yep. Hey, Pastor Brandon, let's just close for a prayer because yeah, our time is right up. It. So we just – I want to just take you up on that. Let's just offer a prayer. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for all of our listeners today and especially – all the families that are represented uh, who are tuning in today, uh, we know that families are going through quite a lot yes. in today's age yes, and culture. And we're just praying for all the fathers and mothers and all the grandparents and the guardians um, that that they will show and model uh, the person of Christ in their homes and in their spaces. Mm. Please be with the rest of our team as I unpack uh, these questions for this theme for the rest of the week. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, guys, thank you for tuning in today. Our time's up, and we hope to see you next time. God bless you.